On this week's show, a terrible week off the field for Tunbridge Wells. We have a manager, Luke Carpenter, after his side at least managed to put a smile on people's faces with three points. It was a really good performance. Um, it was one that I think, I think the fans needed it. I think the town needed it, but also, you know, the squad needed it as well. And just 28 years old and in charge at Dover Athletic, Mitch Brundle tells us all about his hopes at Crabble. The players that I put on that pitch, all I'm asking for is 100% maximum effort. And our budget can't compete with other budgets, we know that. But Chairman's given me a licence to go and get a couple of players in. Like I said, I've got to make sure they're the right ones. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Ollie podcast sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. And we've got two interviews for you this week with managers who both make us look very old and we hope that you will enjoy that injection of youth into this week's show. Uh, I'm John Phipps who just discovered that the laptop I used to cobble this script together has been shut away, turned on and untouched for a week. And on the line now is a man who is into the second week of not being allowed to eat Marmite. Matt Gerard, how are you coping? Uh, co- um, yeah... I've realised sometimes I used to go off Marmite because it was too strong, but um, now my issues hopefully have been resolved. That was one of the things I was told not to eat anymore. So um, it's just plain butter on the old toast now these days. So um, there you go. But I can, you know, so it, I'll have to live with it as well. So I'm not really drinking that much as well because I've got to talk this thing about. So um, just one of those things that, that, as you mentioned, age, the pitfalls of getting old, mate. Yeah, your body sort of um, decides after a while you can't do what you used to do. Yeah, honestly, the, the Marmite thing, I, I, since I've been living back on my own, I've got into having Marmite rolls and Marmite on toast. And Marmite uh, rolls with the, with, the, with the crisps in it, it is quite nice. But if you try yeah. Vegemite, when I went to Australia, I got really into the Vegemite. So maybe yeah, I should try Vegemite it's, again. It's nice. Someone, like Vegemite. someone um, who stayed at the B&B left some Vegemite. She, she had, she'd had it and she'd left some Vegemite and it was like three quarters full. So I was like, I'll just use that for a bit. And yeah, quite nice. Not... Not, not quite as, um, I suppose, pungent is the exactly, word, yeah. It? You know, it's a bit. You pungent. probably realise what goes. Basically, there must be a lot of salt in um, marmite, so that's yeah. probably why I can't sort of. Uh, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm genuinely gutted for you. You know, and yeah, it's also that, like you can add add it to stuff like stews and things like that, can't you? And that would, I'd imagine, that would have an effect as well. So yeah, so <laughs> the most important thing is that yeah, well, it's one of those things, isn't it? <laughs> can't live with it. Can't live with it. Can't live without it. You say you can't drink, Matt. I've actually, I think this is the first time I've ever done this during the podcast. I've actually got a glass of wine on the go tonight. Oh. How about that? Oh, well, we were discussing, I, I thought about it. I haven't had a drink for a while, but I think rather than having a beer, I did say to the wife, oh, maybe I'll have a glass of wine. So we don't have any wine in because my wife doesn't drink wine. But um, yeah, I might fancy a, a glass of wine. So I'm not giving up drinking, but just sort of, I haven't got really got a taste of it for a while, which is strange, but. Um, there was a bit on the one show with Adrian Charles. So I was not, not a heavy drinker, but I think somebody, I was talking to other people, once you get to a certain age, you just sort of take it or leave it. That sort of seems to be the consensus. Yeah, I'm not at that age yet, so I'm definitely still making yeah. the most of uh, <laughs> having the desire to drink. That's for certain. So, uh, But yeah, I had a bottle of wine that was open and, I, and I've just cooked myself a nice uh, a nice tea, a nice uh, beef bourguignon. And I thought, Do you know what, I might have a glass of wine with that. So, Do you have nice much wine? Of... Do you have much wine? Do you have bottles in i i have a few in um i'm i sort of if i go to like a fancy like market or something and there's like a, a winery and they're selling their their wares then i will probably pick up a bottle um i normally have one in the house um i don't drink red wine uh, which as i've just said it out but that was easy for me to say um and i don't mind a, i don't mind a rosé um and i don't mind a white so i'm not particularly fussy um you know but sometimes you just can't beat it you go out for a nice meal and you just have a nice bottle of wine with it, and it just makes it feel a little bit sophisticated, doesn't it? Yes, I think, yeah, if you had a good, yeah, I'm not one of these people who, uh, wine experts, that, you know, those, I'm going to say pretentious people who, would you, if I gave you a £50 bottle of wine, or a £3, £5 bottle of wine, we can't get wine for £3, do you reckon you'd know the difference? Uh, uh, possibly, yeah. I, I think I could tell a really you've cheap. Got, you've one, got, but, a, a but I think you can go palette. and buy. You can go and buy a nice bottle of wine for less than a tenner these days. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, I mainly have. I mean, the, the last time um, I, I had an, exp- an expensive bottle of wine was when I went uh, to to pool for a couple of days um, back last year, and uh, there was a bottle of rosé 
which took our fancy that was like 35 pounds um and and that was really nice actually um but you know it's 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 one of those I, i'm not a kind of i didn't used to drink wine until i was like in my 30s and stuff but um you know it's it's, it's one of those things whereby I, I just like it and sometimes you just can't beat a glass of wine and uh yeah, so that's why I've uh, I've got one tonight. So uh, cheers, everybody! If you're if you're listening to a bit with a bit of booze, I'm raising my glass to you. So uh, yeah, cheers. Win or lose on the booze. Yeah, that could be one way of uh, of putting it. Um, it's our 242nd episode this week, and that led me to songs by Headhunter, Atty242, and Wasela, as well as a Belgian electronic group called Front242. Who, to be honest, sound more like they should be some sort of political group. Uh, anyway, they were founded in 1981 and are still touring, even though it's been 20 years since they released any new music. There's also a UN Council resolution, which is very serious and related to peace in the Middle East. But honestly, I'm more comfortable talking about it being the number of power stars that could be won in Super Mario Galaxy and its imaginatively titled sequel, Super Mario Galaxy 2, uh, on the Wii. I was more of a Mario traditionalist, to be honest, Matt. What, what about the Gerards? Mario a, a big hit still with the kids? I don't know. Uh, my daughter's got the um, uh, virtual headset now, so she's been using that. We haven't played um, Mario Kart for a while, which I do like a game of Mario Kart, so I probably should get on that. But as a kid... I borrowed somebody's Game Boy when they came out and I managed to complete Mario on that. But that was the only sort of thing. I had a Donkey Kong thing. So I was, again, as I said, I only used to play football games when I had my Commodore 16 plus four and Spectrum thing. So I've always, it's just football, football and sport games. That's, I'm never really into the uh, beat em ups or those sort of clever games. It's always been football. I loved Mario. Uh, when I had my NES, I loved Mario. Well, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, and particularly Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, and then I had the one on the N64, which for me is the game. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. And of course, Mario Kart is, is legendary. But it, I kind of get the feeling that, that, that they try to overcomplicate them a little bit, I think. So, so the way Mario Kart is now compared to the Mario Kart that I know and love, probably two completely different things. Well, the, I, think, I think the game that we've got, it's got all the courses from elsewhere, but it is. Well, my wife plays. She doesn't pick up any of those things and do the fast that she just concentrates on actually on the race. And that's how she always wins. Well, there you go. There's a lesson for us all. At the moment, uh, I'm playing a lot of Forza Horizon. Now, that's a racing game. Uh, let me assure you that is the graphics on that are absolutely stunning. So, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, really, really good. Really enjoying it. Playing a bit of FIFA as well. Uh, Are you playing Football Manager at the moment? Um not loads actually. I haven't got I haven't got the newest one. The only one I'm sort of playing is um, my one on Football Manager 19, where I'm trying to win the Champions League in all five continents. All right, yeah. And uh, I have won it in th- three, so I'm now trying to win it in South America before coming home for a triumphant Europe-based homecoming to complete the set. So you, you, uh, you will yeah. you will continue to try and complete that then. Absolutely, yeah. I put a lot of effort into that. I did a lot of that during the pandemic, and now I don't play as much. But whenever I get the chance, that's the one that I play. So I did very briefly actually um, get the new one on my Xbox, um, mm. and I took over at Dover Athletic. Um, but the chairman wouldn't let me spend any money, so I pretty quickly got annoyed with that. Realistic football game, then. <laughs> well, we'll we'll hear about that shortly, shall we? We can, we can, we can, we can. So. We can, well, clearly he has spent a bit of money because he's given somebody a nice long contract. All right, on with the show then. And we have to start with a dreadful, dreadful week off the field uh, for Tunbridge Wells. First came the terrible news that one of their supporters, Nigel Knight, who was 75, uh, was killed when he was hit by a vehicle outside the stadium after last weekend's game with Irith Town. And then on Thursday night, the club was hit by a devastating fire which destroyed the clubhouse at the Colverdon. Uh, on the pitch, Luke Carpenter's side managed to put put all of that behind them with a 4-0 win at Wellingtown, uh, the best way they could possibly have ended a, a, a week to forget. I spoke to Luke earlier today and I started by asking him about that victory at the Beauville Stadium. Yeah, it was. It, it was It was a really good performance. Um, it was one that I think, I think the fans needed it. I think the town needed it, but also, you know, the squad needed it as well. We've, we've kind of set ourselves... A, a few challenges really to get back on track um, and building on Air of Town with, with certain things that we're looking at um, was a big part of that um, and I, I think we've ticked all the boxes it could have easily been more as well uh, and good for your top scorer's 20th league goal of the season as well Trevor I think it's actually 21 oh. um, 
I think the league, I think on one game the league might have uh, awarded one of the goals to to Geffen, but Geff sort of put his hands up and said, "I can't claim goals like that. It's it's gone in off Trev, so he's got to have it." So, but yeah, twenty twenty one goals this season. It's um not a bad return, is it? No. So did, did he set himself that sort of target? I mean, what, what, I think we all knew he was going to score goals, but to have twenty by this stage is is impressive. Yeah. Well, again, like the, the chat with we knew what he was going to do coming in, and um, we've seen. You know, he's, he's the goal-scoring record holder at Hayward Teeth League above. So, you know, you don't do that by accident. He scored wherever he goes. So, it's never in doubt, really, that it was going to happen here either. Uh, and obviously, the, the win was, I suppose, the, the perfect tonic at the end of a, an awful week at the club. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just a terrible week in general, really, for us. It was, you know, a lot of people emotionally have been affected on, on both accounts. So, it was kind of one where there was almost a little bit of pressure for us to, to try and make sure that we can bring a little bit of a smile and happiness to those that follow the football club, even even if it's for an afternoon. Um, obviously, we know about the, the, the tragic loss of the supporter after the game the, the other Saturday, but then the, the fire, I mean, how did you find out about it? And how did it all kind of unfold as far from your perspective? So we um, we were actually training. I finished we finished the training session, and uh, just the manager and I were having a debrief, um, as we always do, kind of reviewing the session that we've done, just with like our our, our hot thoughts there and then. Um, and then my phone just started going crazy, um, just messages coming through left, right, and centre. Um, so I just I got back to the club as quickly as I could, really, um, and spent the night there till about one thirty. I think I left in the morning. And it's just a scene of absolute devastation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fire had been put out by the time I got there. But, you know, when I first came in, I sat down with the board and we went through a lot of things that we wanted to do to kind of increase the professionalism, increase the, you know, the direction of the club. And there was some some what seemed quite minor things, um, such as, you know, bringing in branded towels and, and bits like that. But there were things such as like improving the appearance of the clubhouse and, you know, the, the board and volunteers are putting hours and hours and hours, regardless of the money, they're putting hours over the off season um, to completely renovate the clubhouse. There was a new flooring, new, the bar was extended, new tiles put in, uh, screens, there was all sorts that went into it. So there was so much time. So it, it was um, quite difficult to see that all kind of go away in front of them. Do you have any idea when you're going to be able to get back and play at home again? Um, the chairman's putting in a lot of work at the moment to to get us playing again Saturday. Um, we're, we're lucky again. They've, they've put in a lot of effort to to make improvements to the club. So we've got things like an outside bar. So there's a lot of functions that, that are still in use. Um, there's just a few little bits that we've got to get ready to make it you know, playable, if you like. Um but yeah, he's he's hard at work at getting that done so that we can get games played Saturday. Um, but yeah, hope hopefully we can get a game on. It's been really tough, hasn't it? Because obviously the other town game was the first time you played at home for something like seventy days, anyway, and that must be putting a strain yeah. on on everyone at the club before all this happened. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's again two ways to look at it. On the field, it was difficult because. Um, I mean, we, regardless of how long it had been since we've been at home, you know, we hadn't we hadn't played a game since December the third until Boxing Day. So we've gone 23 days without a game there, and there was clear signs of rust within that performance. Um, and then we'd had another quarter. So it's trying to get a bit of consistency in games has, has not helped with performances on the field. But then you look off the field, the finances. It's been such a long time um, since we've been at home, and you know there is bills and budgets to pay. So it doesn't help when you've not got your your main source of income um, coming through the gate. Looking at the league table, though, I mean, you're, you're eighth, but you're only five points off second. So even though perhaps you haven't been as consistent as you'd like, you're still in with a shout, aren't you? Yeah, well, this is exactly it. I think we, we went through a patch. I think, you know, we constantly review our form. We constantly review our performances. We constantly review so many areas. Um, and we, we have gone through a bit of a bad patch of results. Um, and within those results, we kind of look at the performances and we we analyse them. And then it got to a point where we were saying we were very inconsistent within our performances. And, and we stood there and we kind of, 
we said to him, you know, we're constantly looking at the league table because it's so open and because there are so many teams, you know, one or two losses or wins can move you eight to ten places. You know, look at Fisher. They've gone from, from being bottom and they're, they're shot right up the league and in good form. So we, we just basically said after... Um, the Rustall game. We just said we've got to stop looking at the league table, um, and we've kind of set ourselves a challenge to to ignore the league table until we're kind of going into February. And we've said that the importance is on how we play and the performances that we put in, because if we get that right and and it improves week by week and we become more consistent, then results will follow. And with that, by the time we look at the league table, it'll be a little bit more healthier for for our eyes anyway. I, I suppose is there some sort of way where everything that's happened in the past week has, has brought you even closer together? Yeah, as a club, definitely. As a community, definitely. Um, the squad is, 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 to be honest, for a group of players that have only known each other for, what, six months or so, they're a very close-knit group, you know. The, the group chat's always lively and they get on really well. So, so the togetherness there, they understand. I don't even have to... I sat there, I didn't even have to say sort of, Anything about, you know, we owe this to anyone or, you know, we need to give someone a, a good a good evening, a good a good day. We need to put to bed a bad week. You don't even have to say it. They all, they all come in and they do that anyway. I think, you know, we had a few incidents recently where, such as our, our, our um, pitch covers, for example, we had fans at our last home game for Ear of Town they were there for four hours and the boys I'm, I'm sort of messaging them saying look I've just turned up and these guys are still here in the in the wind doing a job so we can get our game on and without anything else being said the boys are putting on a group chat right everyone chuck a tenner behind the bars uh, as a gesture for them and they're constantly doing things like that and there's no one that fusses about it they're, they're a good group and uh, they understand each other and they're all on the same wavelength and just finally, it's supposed to be Canterbury on Saturday if the game does manage to get on I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be a, a pretty emotional afternoon up at the Culverden yeah, it's, it's going to be, again, for many reasons. Um, you know, we still want to pay our respects to Nigel, who passed away at the last home game. You know, we were able to, to get our back armbands and give a minute's respect before the game, but that's away from home. You know, it'd be, be nice to do it at our home game. Uh, then you've got the emotion of the clubhouse, obviously. So, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be another tough afternoon. I mean, part of doing the podcast is we have to talk, but um, I'm pretty speechless by all of this that's gone on. Uh, that Tunbridge Wells have been through this week. Our thoughts, firstly, with Nigel's family and friends, and then, of course, with everybody who was affected by the fire. And Luke telling me about all the hard work that had been done to improve the clubhouse this season. It's just made it even worse. Matt, what can you possibly add to all that? No, you know, the sad story of the supporter dying. And then when I woke up on, was it Thursday or Friday morning, and seeing that the clubhouse had actually burnt down, and you saw the pictures on social media, and you know, the power of fire, what it had done for that club and, you know, the heartbreaking tweets that they had. He said, and, and I'm always, you know, doing this, I follow a lot of the clubs on social media. And before that, and you look at that and they've had lots of events there and people having good times at that. And you couldn't believe how heartbreaking that would be for the club there. Um, and I have to say, Luke there, he was very upbeat because you thought, you know, they had a good week winning the week. But clearly, there's a lot of people who around that club who care about it and they will try and get it back to an even footing. Um, you mentioned about the game being on. Is there a danger that it might not be on on Saturday because of the, 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 the because of the fire facilities and what's gone on? I think there is still a, a chance. But as he said there, um, they're working very, very hard um, to make sure it happens. Um, that I think there's just a couple of bits and pieces that they've got to do for it to be safe because obviously safety is paramount. And, you know, as, as I said to him there in that final question, what an atmosphere that they'll be there. It'll be so poignant, um, especially with after what happened after their last home game as well. You know, and, and you know, they'll be they'll be desperate. And, and in a way, I think, you know, the fact they were able to go and get three points on Saturday. And I think somehow it's going to bring them all together and galvanise the club a little bit, I think. And, and you know, it was, it was it was fascinating to hear that, actually, when he was saying, you know, the players are so together um, you know, and, and I get the feeling that actually they're in for a good second half of the season, Tunbridge Wells, on the pitch. You know, they've got work to do off it, but on the pitch, there's there's potential, I think, for them. And, and as I said to him there, you know, he's not looking at the league table now. Well, I, I told him about the league table, but that second spot is up for grabs in this league, isn't it? Amazingly so. When you look at that league table, uh, you would not, you know, you know Erith Town have got games in hand, but... 
doesn't really matter in, the, in this division, but apart from Merrith and Belvedere, absolutely everybody can beat everybody. You've got Whitstable in third place, you've lost 10 games, um, which is, you know, even Beerstead, second and bottom, have lost 10 as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy division, but yeah, I think, you know, what 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 doesn't make doesn't hurt you might might make you stronger for um for, for Tunbridge Wells and you know the spirit around the club seems really really good at that particular point um and uh, yeah it's just a heartbreaking but they'll come back stronger and the supporters there as he said they've got some really supporters who are behind it they'll rebuild that and can go again they've had a difficult few years since they got to Wembley hasn't really gone too well for them has it but I think you have to say, um, let's hope, you know, in this place of adversity, the club can really rise up and uh, have a bit of success. Yeah, I think they seem really engaged this year, Tunbridge Wells. I think that, you know, that they've kind of left the past behind them, I suppose, you know, and and Luke is a young manager, but he's doing very well. And, and, you know, we talked about bringing in players like Trevor McCready when I I spoke to Luke at the start of the season and how they'd settle in and, and, you know, past 20 goals for the season. That's that, that's really phenomenal, isn't it, for, for for him at this stage of the season in a side that hasn't had an amazing start to the campaign, but it's kind of um, you know one of those whereby you, you think he's going to really go places. And it was very funny actually because uh, Dean from the uh, from the scaffold um, he updates all the scores as the games go along on Saturday, and he obviously had a, a typo uh, to say that uh, McCready's uh, first goal was in 413 minutes. So I just took a screenshot of it and messaged him on Twitter and just said, cool, blimey, long game at, at Wellingtown. And he just replied and said, well, either that was my fat fingers or that's how many goals he's going to end up with this season. But, you know, it's it, he's doing really well. And, and if you've got a goal scorer, you're part of the way there, aren't you? Yeah, I didn't know much about him. Clearly, was a Haywards Heath, he said he was the top scorer there, attracting somebody like that who's always going to score goals. Because um, the way forward, and maybe, you know, they're, you know, they're seeing how, how well their local neighbours, Rustle, are doing the league, that can galvanise them as well. They don't want to be seen, you know, they were the bigger club in the area, Rustle having a great season, and they're probably saying in, in the changing room, right, we want to make sure that we finish higher than them, and that's what we've got to make sure for the rest of the season. So, they're what, still five points off them, but going in the in the right direction, just, yeah, you just feel from over the last three weeks, the, the owners um, of the club, They've really had it in the last sort of 10 days or so, but they love the club. Um, and um, I'm sure we had an emotional time when they next play at home, but hopefully they can come out the right, right side of this. Yeah, I think as well, you know, he made the point, which was something we'd, we'd, we'd kind of touched on a couple of weeks ago, how about how they've not been playing at home anyway because of the, the fixtures and the pitch and everything like that and the, and the difficulties that's brought. But then when you chuck in what's happened to the clubhouse as well, the club has taken a... I'm pretty sure a financial hit from all of this, you know, so it's, it's, it's tough times them. And, and, you know, they've got to be so grateful that there are people who are willing to put in their time, their effort and their money to help them out. And, you know, if people from Tunbridge Wells, if we're listening, if there's anything we can do to help you, then do please get in touch with us on social media. We would do everything we can because, you know, you've had a, a rotten week and, you know, when we started doing this podcast, you're one of the clubs that the kind of, I felt was one of the ones that had lost out in the coverage of everything. So, you know, I know you've obviously had a, a fair bit of coverage this week for all the wrong reasons. Um, but if there is anything we can do, then, you know, please, please let us know. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday in that division, it was uh, F- Fisher, who Luke mentioned there, had a great win as they won 3-1 uh, at K-Sports. Everything Belvedere kept on going uh, as they won 2-1 at Kennington. A late goal from Danny Lear to win that one. It was Punjab United 2, Hollands and Blair 2, a late equaliser from Chris Edwards. We've already mentioned uh, the 4-0 win for Tunbridge Wells at Wellington. And it finished Whitstable 2, Stansfeld 2. There were supposed to be games uh, tonight, Tuesday, but they all got called off due to the weather. I don't know if you noticed, but it's ruddy cold out there. Of course, also on Saturday, the two FA Vars games uh, were both called off on the day. Uh, both Irith Town and Deal had travelled uh, on on the Friday night to get down to those places. Caution for Deal uh, in Wiltshire and Bridgewater uh, in Somerset for Irith Town. Both those games called off on Saturday, so they've been rearranged for this Saturday. We've also got on Saturday one Kent Senior, tra- Kent Senior Trophy quarter-final, which is Punjab United against Hollands and Blair, and then in the Premier Division, Fischl against Rustall, 
Homesdale take on Whitstable Town. It's Kennington against Glebe. Uh, Lordswood at home to Phoenix Sports at two o'clock. And as we've already mentioned, Tunbridge Wells are hoping to be at home to Canterbury City uh, in that game on Saturday afternoon. And as we say, I'm sure there will be quite the atmosphere there uh, if that game does go ahead. And good luck to everybody involved at Tunbridge Wells. With that, uh, in the first division on Saturday, it was AFC Whiteleaf 2, Lid Town 2. Bermondsey Town 2, Greenways 3, Forest Hill Park 2, Croydon 1, Meridian VP Neil, Brydon Ropes 2 and SC Thamesmead were 2-0 winners over Larkfield and New High. The fixtures uh, this weekend in that division, uh, Brydon Ropes against Bermondsey Town, it's Faversham Strike Force against Greenways, FC Elmstead take on Staplehurst, Lewisham Borough take on Larkfield and New High, there's SC Thamesmead against Ross United and Tooting Beck against AFC Whiteleaf. Uh, there are a few games next midweek as well in both um, division. So we've got the rest of the Kent Senior Trophy quarterfinals uh, are scheduled for Tuesday night. Deal Town against Nodland Town, Irith and Belvedere against Beersted, Stansfeld against Irith Town. Lords would take on Glebe in the Premier Division and in the First Division is Meridian VP against FC Elmstead. And then on Wednesday, Homesdale take on Punjab United, Phoenix Sports host Sutton Athletic and it's Lewisham Borough against Tooting Beck. Uh, let's move on then up to our second interview and the National League South and the appointment of Drove Athletic's new manager. At just 28 years old, he is the youngest manager to take charge as a club that high up and higher. And it's a bold move by the Whites, although they know all about Mitch Brundle. Matt spoke to a manager early on today who was born when Matt was 19. <laughs> I think obviously the chairman's watched the performances over the last three games and decided that he sees me as the person in charge of moving this club forwards. And I'm so excited. I'm happy. I'm delighted. Um, I think the work that's gone into what I've done over the last week is, is fantastic. It's borderline. We've changed completely as a football club how we are in the space of a week. Um, and that's something that I've congratulate myself on as well as congratulate Mike Mike's been fantastic with me um, obviously Mike we're still we're keeping Mike around he's going to still be part of the first team um, it's good to have that bond between first team and youth team but I don't see him any different and he doesn't see me any different so the role that I'm going into we always knew if someone was applying for the job it was going to be me um, obviously, he works with the academy. Does his, he works with school. It's just, it's just everyone's just super excited. I've had about five hundred and fifty phone calls and messages, and people telling me about this and telling me about that, and just congratulating me. So I think there's a real buzz around this football club now at the minute, and I think there has been for the last week. Um, and. I think they they know what they're getting with me is I'm a passionate person. When I played for them, all I cared about was winning for the football club. When I left, I didn't want to leave. Financial gains obviously made me leave in the first place. That's the honest truth. Um, but now I've got a different role, different chance, and just super delighted. What, what changes have you implemented in that week? Because, you know, the club... You know, Andy Hessenthaler had been a bit there last season. There's always going to be a hangover from that. Um, what, what changes have you made? Because, as I say, the performances over the last have been a little bit better and maybe you haven't got the results you deserved. No, if we had about seven points from nine, so if we had about seven points from three games, I think I'll still be disappointed in terms of the way that we've performed. So you'll always get judged on results. I understand that, but... If you look deeper into it, taking over a role, what you're asking for is a reaction and performances. And I think Chairman's been around the game a long time. Um, our performances have been outstanding since I've taken charge. I've taken four or five different implements of what I want to improve on a team. Yes, I want to get players in. Yes, obviously, some players are going to have to go. I understand all that side of it. But until there's a concrete manager in the building no one's going anywhere and no one's coming in because they don't know who's in charge and what, what, sort of, what sort of remit have you been given um, by the chairman playoffs you're closer to the we're closer to the relegation zone than we are to the playoffs but you think the uh, playoffs are uh, a possibility yeah listen look chairman's given me he's given me a, Target 
that will stay personal between me and the chairman um, is I've given myself a target will stay personal between me. Um, there's no point trying to label us to do something. And, and I think over the last three games, which we haven't done all season, is we've had three consecutive good performances. Not results, but performances. Um, and I stick by, if you've got a team that's performing, um, then eventually your luck will turn. I've looked at the stats, I've watched the games over, I've, I'm double lively in everything in that term because obviously it's my first chance of being a manager and hopefully it becomes a success for the next like, 30, 40 years, whatever it is, as trying to be in charge of a football club. Um, we have created more chances in the box where we should finish them and score. We should have been 4-0 up at Cheson, didn't get 4-0 up, Mother Nature killed us with the goal that 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 shot's going miles away from goal but the wind's blown it in the top corner you can swallow that because the team done fantastically well Taunton we should have been 4-0 up at half time and we should have finished that game being it should have been 6-0 um, we played absolutely the other day we should have been they they had their chances to score listen I'm not naive I'm not stupid um, they had their chances to score but we should have won that game 4-5 Five one, five two, or something like that. And their manager agreed when I spoke to their manager after. He said, "This is the best Dover performance that I've ever seen Dover play." He said, "You have given a good account for yourself. Obviously, we can't match them budget-wise. We know that." I said, "But we're not going to let a team turn up and roll us over just for the sake of they've got a bigger budget than us. We're going to try and implement everything that we can to nullify them playing." and nullify their counter-attacks and nullify their goals. Because if you go toe-to-toe with them, football-wise, you get absolutely spanked, I think. Um, and that's, listen, it's full credit to them, but it's also full credit to their budget. They brought on three subs that was worth probably near enough our whole team. So um, that's what type of that's what type of challenge you've got in, in terms of in the club. Um, but we know that. Um, and... That's easy enough to. You can always talk about budgets and players and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, we got to put out performance to try and win a football game. But people say, you know, you're 28 years of age. You don't get managers at that. You're quite young. Um, why have you got into the managerial game? And you know, you've had a decent career, and you probably could have a good six, seven years left in it because you're not going to be playing anymore. Is that correct? I'm not going to be playing anymore this year. Or obviously for the foreseeable for 18 months but it doesn't mean I've, I've hung my boots up I've not retired myself as such but yeah it's um, it's too much to do all in one being player assistant long gone are the times where you can be a player and a, a manager um, I think if I'm going to give it a good shot and I'm going to give it the best chance then I have to be able to fully commit as being the manager and again, you got older players in the in the dressing room. There is it about clearly. You must have had the respect being an assistant manager, but is age just a number? Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of even players who I'm willing to play, if they're if you're if you're good enough, you play under me. If you're going to give everything you can for me, and I walk off that pitch, and I'm happy to let you go out there as a. 16, 17, 18-year-old, if I think you're good enough and I think you should be playing in my team, then you'll play. And what about that? Have you been given a chance to bring some players in by the chairman and will you be bringing in another coach or anything like that or will you still be you and Mike on the sidelines? I'll, I'll be bringing players in. Obviously, you've got to make sure it's the right ones. Um, when you're working on such a, such a budget, you've got to make sure that the players that you bring in are the right ones. Um, but, chairman's fully backed me uh, and I can't be happier for in terms of what he's backed me with and there is there is a possibility of bringing players in we'll just make sure it's the right ones um, but in terms of really like pushing and going and trying to have a being contenders to get in the playoffs by absolutely I could do that with the team already I've got but I want to add my own implement to the players 
you seem very excited about this role, and I think that's what the passion is coming out. Um, what would a Dover, what can you, the Dover fans expect from your side? We will give everything, every single bit of energy we've got as staff and as players. What you'll get is an honest group of players who are willing to do the best that they can. Yes, they might fall short on sometimes, but listen, at least you know. I'll be working tirelessly 23 hours a day, seven days a week to make sure this job is a good and a successful one. But also, the players that I put on that pitch, all I'm asking for is 100% maximum effort. And our budget can't compete with other budgets. We know that. Look, there's no point beating around the bush. Where we are in the table is where we are in terms of budget. And we sit in the same place that we would do on this budget. Um, Chairman's given me a license to go and get a couple of players in. Like I said, I've got to make sure they're the right ones. So we thank him um, for what his movements are going forward as Dover as a football club. He's always got the best interest at heart for Dover. Um, and so have I. And like I said, whether I was interim now till the end of the season, it would make no difference to labelling me as the manager. I would still make sure that I'll give 100% for this football club as long as I'm told otherwise. So all they'll get from me is honesty, upfront, approachable. You can speak to me whenever you want to speak to me. You might have your ideas. I might not agree with them. But I am someone who you can come up and speak to after a game when we lost or when we won. Or I want the clubhouse to start rocking after games. I want to get more fans in the stadium. I want to do everything that's possible to try and make Dover a good place to go to, which it hasn't been because everyone labels things and different things that have gone on prior to me being in charge. All of that stuff means nothing now we are moving forward as a football club we are stepping and I think you see that by the terms of my contract is a minimum of 18 months so it's a progress to move this football club forward don't live in the past anymore when you come to watch our games you'll get excitement and that's all I can say is the chairman has backed me fully he's allowing me to go and get plays in obviously players will leave in that time that's just that's just football, but he knows what's right by the football club, and I think he sees that, and that's why my appointment's been made for minimum eighteen months, and why the club's moving forward. Well, he knows what he's doing, Matt, he's, and and he sounds there pretty confident about the fact that he's going to be able to to take the club forward. And interesting how he says in in a week or ten days, there's been such a big change already. Yeah. To be fair, the passion that he comes out, he talks a good game. Um, I, I quite enjoy talking to him. And from a Dover fan point of view, you, you're looking for somebody with that passion because uh, the last few years we've been across this, um, Dover in the habit of losing football matches and it's not really had much to cheer about. Mitch Brundle, um, who think he probably is the first Dover Athletic Manager who is younger than me, and to be fair to him, I was nearly halfway through university when he was born. So that really does make me feel old. Um, yeah, it, it's a bold appointment. I think a lot of supporters hope that he would be given the opportunity, given him an 18-month contract. Um, again, is a bold move, um, particularly when, you know, you look at it, Chris Kinnear was never given a contract by Jim Parmenter. But I think every single Dover Athletic supporter, including myself, are fully behind him. The performances of Mr Taunton game, but from what he's, again, we should have won that by a lot of, by these four goals with my people I went there. Sassley were a bit unlucky against Ebsley. Um, I think a draw would have been a fair result uh, on the possession. But he'll go in there. And I think his remit is, I don't think Dover have got the quality to get in the playoffs unless he brings the players in he talks about. He's basically look to regroup for next season and maybe um, have a chance of being successful, win some matches get on the outskirts of the playoffs uh, from that point of view. So it, it is a bold move. Some people would say it's an easy option, a cheap option from Dover. But if somebody who wants the job and clearly at the age of 28 wants to give up playing to be a football manager, 
you've got to start somewhere. And in 25 years' time, could Mitch Brundle be the next Roy Hodgson? You never know. It could be an absolutely amazing choice for Dover, amazing choice for Mitch. And we'll go from there. And all Dover fans want is a little bit of excitement on the pitch. Um, the passion and the performances were better um, from what I've seen in that one game. So, yeah, we'll, it's it's a new regime and hopefully Dover can be successful with it. And I admire Mitch for doing it at that age because you don't get many managers in their 20s, do you? But it's a bold decision and, you know, uh, a bold, brave decision that everything, everybody, every Dover fan is uh, quite excited about. If I'd said to you in the summer of 2019, when Mitch Brundle, as he admitted on that interview, left the club for financial reasons to go and earn more money. If I'd said to you in three and a half years time, he's going to be the manager. Would you have believed me? Not at all. <laughs> Good player, Do you think he, he looks like the sort of person when he was a player? Did he look like the sort of person that you thought would one day go into management? Oh, he was captain under, you know, he was captain at Dover at 24, 23. When Chris Kinnear came in, we made him captain straight away. So maybe that's a sign that somebody um, is a leader on and off the pitch. So, yeah, since he left Dover, he went to Dagenham and Barnet. His career probably went um, not as way as he predicted. But, um, yeah, he was a key player for Dover and everybody was really disappointed he left and quite pleased when he came back. And everybody was sort of shocked he'd come in as assistant manager to Andy Hessenthaler, but clearly that's part of his plan to stay in football. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, again, it, we, we've, we've been criticising people when we, Dennis Katrine got in. We criticised him for saying, who the hell is this guy? But now some people say, well, I don't think we are in the position to criticise this appointment, and I think good luck to him. Again, Dover could have gone down the same old route as the same managers who go around the houses. They give it to Mitch Brundle. It could be an amazing decision or it could be an absolutely terrible decision. I'm hoping for the um, former rather than the latter. And he can get some smiles back on Dover's faces. So, well, it's, there's nothing to lose in this appointment, is there? I don't, I don't think anyway. So you have to start somewhere and why not start there? There's a chance at 28. Um, I'm sure, uh, you know, there's been managers in the Bundesliga really young, so... If you've got it and you want it and you've got the passion for it, which I think he clearly has, um, why not? And I think what was actually, if I were a Dover fan listening to that, I, I think it was quite refreshing um, to hear him say, you know, even though he was part of the of the old regime, actually, you know, he can see that there are things there that needed to be improved, needed to be changed. And he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be afraid to, make the decisions that that he's going to have to make. And I think as well, you say about you don't know what his remit is. Well, for this year, I think his remit is just to get as close to the playoffs as he can. And then I think his remit is to reshape it and get the feel-good factor back. And, you know, it's not a criticism at all of Andy Hessenthal and the job that he did there. But I think everything had got a bit stale under Hess. And, you know, Dover are a club who tend to, you tend to have managers for quite a long time as well. So, you know, I, I think it's... It's good to see to, to see Mitch Brundle given a chance. He obviously wanted the job, and it was interesting when he said that you know, with with Mike Sandman, it was always going to be me who went for the job if it if it went well. And I think you know now he's got the actual you are the manager now, Mitch. I, I think now he's got that. I think Dover are going to go from strength to strength, and and I think you'll have a good second half of the season. Yeah, a, a, a final point that you mentioned about the manager, Jim Parmenter is normally very loyal to his managers. You get given time. So even if it doesn't go too uh, too well and they struggle for a few games, got some tough games coming up, um, he's not going to uh, reignage on that. So um, he'll be given the opportunity. And again, they need a freshen up under the squad and I'm sure there's players that Mitch Brundle would like to move on as well if he can do. So, um, yeah, I think it's um, it's exciting times at Dover now. If they can just get that going and yeah, I, I, I think hopefully they, they should have enough to stay up. And it could be an interesting summer, see what they do as a club uh, on and off the field of what they're going to do and bring new players in. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think, yeah, well, from a fan's point of view, this is, it's more exciting now than it was this time last month. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got some tough games going up, but the supporters are behind him. Um, and on the previous manager, they weren't behind him. So the club, he clearly in some ways, is pulling in the right direction. 
Yes, sticking with the National League South, uh, we have new, well, old leaders uh, tonight after Epsweet United continued their resurgence with a 2-0 win at home to Chelmsford City, which has taken them back above Dartford uh, on goal difference. Uh, as Matt's already said, Epsweet were 2-1 winners in their game at Crabble on Saturday when Dartford, uh, who were in great form, had an absolute aberration as they lost 3-1 at home to Hemel Hempstead. Uh, also on Saturday, Tumbridge James was 3-2 winners at St Albans, uh, Welling United beaten 4-2 at home by Dulwich Hamlet. Uh, Epsweet United, Matt, you know, you said... You think a draw would have been a fair result? Did it look like they got their mojo back on Saturday? Um, yeah, I think they, the way they ground the result out it was good. Uh, it's amazing, you know, two weeks ago, doom and gloom, or wasn't it on New Year's Day? Uh, doom and gloom. Within just over two weeks, they've gone top of the table again. Shows how much football can turn. Yeah, they look good players. Bingham, lovely player for them in the hole. They've got some good players. Good squad, Ebsleep. They just ground it out against Dover. You know, they could have gone bizarre when Dover Dover were the better team. When Do- then they equalised and Dover went off the boil a little bit. You know, so absolutely were good in the first half. You can see it. They played some nice football. And from the criticism that I've said before and other people have said before, can they win it on a bit of a boggy pitch at Crabble when, it, when it's back against the wall? They did. And that's a good result at home against Chelmsford as well. Because um, Chelmsford... You know, a decent side this year. Now, absolutely will say to them, I'm sure Dennis Katrieve will say to them, now we're on top. We've got, what, 20-odd games to go, I think it is now, is it? 20, yeah, 20 games to go, yep. Yeah. Let's stay there till the end of the season. So, they're back in pole position. So, we've got, we've, 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 we've toed and throwed who's going to win this league. Now, you're saying it's absolutely to lose again. Absolutely, and that's the uh, that that's the tricky thing, isn't it? Um, what about those other two, Matt? Um, Tumbridge Angels, good win for them on Saturday. Twenty-seven games played, eleven wins, twelve defeats, um, thirty-seven points. They're five points outside the playoffs. Welling are five points behind them with two games in hand. Um, I don't think either of those sides are going to get dragged in at the bottom. Do, do you think either of them could make the playoffs? Tumbridge needs to be a little bit consistent because they win one week, lose the next. Uh, I think they're having a good season compared to what they were last season when they could have been in all sorts of problems. I think for Tumbridge Angels, it's important that they are stable at this level. I mean, they yeah. had under Tom Warrow, they were up for a few years and then they got relegated and found it really hard to come back. But if they can stabilise there, then, you know, there's potential at Tumbridge Angels, isn't there? Well, they've got a good manager. It, it, you know, there's rumours again that Maidstone job on the horizon, but I think Jay Saunders knows that Tunbridge, again, a club off the pitch. The 3G's gone down. They seem to be making um, inroads in the community, getting um, people through the gate. Um, they've got an opportunity to be a, a side in this division who regularly challenge for the playoff position. So that's it from there. It's got to be a little bit more consistent. Welling, again, got to be a little bit more consistent as well. So to be honest, I thought Welling would be doing the squad they've got and the investment they've got, I thought they would be doing a little bit better. The results started the season well. I think Welling could come strong later in the season if they can go on, win two, three games on on the spin, which they did earlier in part of the season, and, and not now, because Welling have got a, a, a decent squad. So, But this is a tough division. There's some decent sides in it. So you've got to be, you've got to find some consistency particularly this time of the season when the pitches are a little bit boggy and it's going to be tough games. If you can do that, that'll give you a good stead in the, you know, the back end of the season, the March and April time. Will they get in the playoffs? I, I, I would say Tunbridge, Welling and Dover will probably just be where they wanted to be now. I, I would have thought on that basis. So um, I think they'll all be okay, but I just don't think that, any of them have got the consistency to get into the playoffs. Well, we shall see how that goes. Uh, this, this weekend, the fixtures, we've got Dartford at home to Taunton, Dover at home to Havant and Waterlooville, uh, Ebbsfleet travel to Farnborough, Tunbridge Angels go to Hampton and Richmond, and Welling are at home to Hem, Hemel Hempstead Town. Uh, and then uh, quite a few games on Tuesday next week as well. Kent Derby, Tunbridge Angels against Dover Athletic, Ebbsfleet make the trip to Dulwich Hamlet. And that is it for our Kent sides uh, next midweek. You, you're going to go to Longmead or are you sworn off it? I'm now? hoping to go to Longmead, yeah, if it's not too cold. Yes, yeah. I've been to Longmead, it's got 3G down. So even if I don't go as a reporter, I might go as a fan just to 
catch up with uh, Tunbridge as well. Yeah, so hoping to go there next week. I think you'll find if you go, even if you don't go as a reporter, you'll be going as an interviewer for the Kent Non League podcast. Yeah, but, but that's true. Yes, I will be. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to going there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, up to the National League and, uh, well, Maidstone United, we spoke about them at length last week. Free hit for them up at Notts County in the trophy, we said. And it proved to be an absolute cracker for them as they won that game on penalties uh, after a, a peg back late on uh, to draw 2-2 after 90 minutes. And then Tom Hadler, the hero, as they won on spot kicks. They got Eastley away in the next round, uh, which isn't great, but a, a great start to life for George Elakobi. Yeah, we thought it was a free hit. So they were 2 up on Sunday and it went to penalties. Hadler, the forgotten man as well, isn't it? Mason have gone through some absolute goalkeepers this season. Hadler was the key man last season for them. And it's interesting that as soon as he is a new manager comes in, he's brought back into the um, into the team. And I don't know what's gone on with him and the and Hacking Hay Retting. Um, but Hadler was a key, like I say, key member of the side last season. Come back in and a hero. Um so, it's a great result for Maidstone. Interesting, Dover have given it to Brundle. Ella Kobe, a little bit older, had an excellent league career. Would Maidstone be willing to give him the job? Again, another free hit this weekend. So, um, yeah, I'm pleased George Ella Kobe's got that. Amazing one is the link to the club. The fans absolutely adore him. He adores the fans. And they've had that sort of linkage disappear, maybe, under Hay Retton over the last few months or so. And that's got it back. And you can see the smiles already back on the Maystone fans. If they can beat Wrexham, which is a big if, surely you've got to give him the job, haven't you? Well, you would say so, wouldn't you? I mean, it's a great start for him. And, you know, even if it doesn't pan out with him as the manager, he's, he's certainly had a, a day to remember. And, you know, Notts County had a shocking result in the FA Cup. They lost at home to a low league team. They didn't do very well in the trophy, but they've only lost once in the league. And, and you know, you wonder if they'll be happy, if their fans will be happy with that. If they go on and win the league, they'll forgive them for their cup uh, escapades. In the league, actually, uh, on Saturday, Bromley were in action. Uh, 4-1 win for them over Yeovil. They're just a point outside the playoff bases uh, now are Andy Woodman's side. And if they can find their form and a little bit of consistency, I think they're going to break into that top seven come the end of the season. A lot of Southern teams doing well there as well, with Barnet, Southend and Dagenham uh, also in the playoff mix. Uh, this weekend uh, in that division, Maidstone United are at home to Wrexham, as Matt's already said, uh, while Bromley are also at home. They take on Aldershot Town. Uh, and then in midweek next week, a big game for Bromley in their battle to get into the playoffs as they are at home to Dagenham and Redbridge, who are a point in front of them at the moment. Maidstone at home again to Aldershot, who have moved up to 17th in the table right now after a 2-1 win at Solihull tonight. So uh, they're in a little bit of form, Aldershot. We could do with them losing both those games this week. Yeah, that's that's not a good result really for Maidstone, I don't think, Aldershot winning against Solihull, um, because Aldershot were maybe the side that they could try and catch in that position. So, yeah, Bromley, we know what Bromley can do. Let's see if they can... Uh, Go on again, another side that has consistency problems, but they've always stayed around the playoff positions. They haven't been in a, in a tight division with the top three are running away with it. Again, it's quite, um, you know, quite quite a few sides in the mix in, the, in there, and I think probably are one of them again. And I think they've got the quality to get in there again. Consistency, a lot of our sides. What you need to do is win three, four games on the spin, and away you go. Yes, into the Eastman League now. We'll start in the Premier Division. Uh, not a great weekend, if I'm honest. Uh, folks and Drew 1-1 at home to Billericay on Saturday, uh, while Margate were thumped 4-0 at Horsham. And on Saturday, Cray Wanderers beaten 3-2 at home by Bishop Stortford, who leapfrogged them in the table. Cray Wanderers still third, uh, but at 26, they have played more games than anybody else in the division. And the teams below them have all played uh, fewer. Well, Bishop Stortford, Hornchurch, the teams above them have both played three games fewer uh, than Cray Wanderers. There were supposed to be games on Tuesday night, but they were all called off uh, due to the lovely weather conditions that we're currently enjoying uh, here in the southeast of England. Uh, on Saturday, Margate travelled to Bognor Regis. This folks in against Harringay Borough. Hernbay at home to Corinthian Casuals, while Cray Wanderers go to Averley. And then on Tuesday, Herne Bay at home to Harringay Borough, Margate at home to Bowers and Pitsy. Uh, Margate, just six points outside the relegation zone now. And they need to pick up some form from somewhere. Is all They've got to start as the manager as well, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we, we've point. heard that people were that people have been interviewed for it. I've, I've heard two or three different names. I've heard people yeah. were at their last home game. And the thing is, is the uncertainty is not doing them any good. And, you know, I've, I saw it's... 
we kind of had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. I said, I don't know what Margate fans want because a lot of them weren't happy with the appointment of Andy Drury. But then on the flip side, they they seem some of them seem to want Ben Greenall to get the job, which I don't know if he wants the job or not. But I don't understand his level of experience compared to the level of experience of, of Andy Drury. And, and well, we know Ben Greenall runs the academy, doesn't he, at, at Dartford? So Margate got to be concerned about the relegation zone. Um, the, the, the names we've heard uh, are, are decent names who've managed the levels above. So they've got to make a decision, a decision fast. Or they could be a little bit concerning going into the relegation zone. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it is worrying for them, and uh, we'll have to keep a close eye on that. Weather had a good re- good week uh, in terms of its own performance in the Isthmian League Southeast Division, uh, with uh, some a few games surviving on Saturday, uh, not many on Tuesday night. Uh, Corinthian nil, Brickenham one on Saturday. It was Faversham one, Chatham Town two. And Ramsgate held at home by Sittingbourne 1-1. Seven Oaks came from behind to beat Ashford 2-1. Uh, Sheppey United up to seventh after their 1-0 win against Hythe. Uh, and then on Tuesday night, there was just the one game uh, where Faversham led twice at Haywards Heath, but were pegged back the second equaliser coming in the 90th minute uh, to leave them still on nine points uh, at the foot of the table. <laughs> the longer it goes with them not winning, despite the fact that they're still strengthening their squad, Matt, this, this looks more and more concerning for, for Faversham. You know, we spoke to Sammy Moore and, and I got the impression a few weeks ago that it wasn't a be-all and end-all to stay up this season. But, you know, it, it's not going to look good, is it, if they if they can't turn this around in any way, shape or form? Yeah, the other clubs he's gone into, he's had a new manager bounce. Faversham, he hasn't. So, I don't know if that shows what kind of the players he's working with for we're currently there and the players he could bring in. But when I saw they were 2-1 up, that would have been a massive win for them. But conceding late, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth. But at some point, draws aren't good enough. They've got to win matches. So they're, what, 14 points away from being in the playoffs. Going to be tough for them, I would have thought, unless they can, go, again, go on a bit of a run. But, yeah, it's, it's a tough ask. I don't think Sammy Moore who's managed Conference South level, a high Conference South level, would really want to be managing um, in the in the scaffold, to be honest. No disrespect to the scaffold from where Sammy Moore wants to go. No, exactly. Let's talk quickly, actually, Matt. I know we're, we're, it's quite a long show, but let's talk quickly about that playoff race because I was a bit surprised, I suppose, when I saw the league table on Saturday and saw that Sheppey are up to seventh. Um, you know, Seven Oaks are a ninth. They've got two games in hand. Uh, on Sheppey and they've got games in hand on the teams above them it's looking pretty tight we've got Ramsgate on 43 points from 21 Chatham 42 from 20 uh, Beckenham 38 points from 19 those three looking pretty good the Cray Valley 36 points from 19 then you've got Whitehawk with 35 from 20 Ashford United played 22 they've got 35 then Sheppey 33 from 21 Littlehampton in there as well with 32 from 20 uh, and Seven Oaks 30 points from 19 games all of those teams will be thinking right now, we're in a good position to get in those playoffs, won't they? Yeah, it, out of all the leagues, this is the most exciting. Uh, Chatham, massive win against Faversham. You mentioned they needed to turn their way form. They did it. Ramsgate against Sittingbourne with the new manager. Great result for Sittingbourne against Ramsgate, top of the table. Normally great uh, at Southwood. Seven Oaks, was it a must win against probably Astrid? Probably would have. It is really because they would have been Eight points clear of them, Ashford, but now look at them, they're only a couple of points behind. So, uh, yeah, for teams like Sheppey, who have had a winning mentality over the last couple of years, Jack Midson slowly turning it around, I think they'll be confident they can get in there. But we mentioned about Beckenham as well. Fantastic. Ground out result against Corinthian. They know they win their two games, in, well, two games now, they could go top of the table. So, Really, really exciting division. Cray Valley lost their manager, but carried on keeping winning the results. So a really exciting division. I suppose they won't disappoint him. I think we'll look at it, even though they're sixth place is probably Ashford because Ashford have been close to get out of this division. And um, just being consistency again has let them down a little bit. And outside the playoffs, and I think if Ashford didn't get in the playoffs this season, that would be a bit of a failure for Tommy Warlow. It certainly would. The fixtures 
in the Inter League South East this weekend. We've got Friday night football uh, as VCD take on Corinthian. And on Saturday, massive game this one, Matt. Second against third, Chatham Town oh. at home to Beckenham Town. Uh, it's Cray Valley PM against Hythe Town. Faversham travel to East Grinstead. Uh, Seven Oaks head to Lansing. Ramsgate hosts Burgess Hill. It's Sheppey United against Littlehampton. That's seventh against eighth. Sittingbourne at home to Chichester. And another close one, fifth against sixth as Whitehawk host Ashford United. <laughs> then on Tuesday night as well, there's uh, plenty of fixtures in that division. This is all weather permitting, of course. It does look like it's going to get a bit milder uh, this week as well. But on Tuesday night, Corinthian at home to Three Bridges. It's East Grinstead against Hyde. Faversham take on Beckenham. Uh, VCD meets Sittingbourne. And Chatham head to Whitehawk. And then one game on Wednesday night as well, as Seven Oaks are at home to Littlehampton. So there's some big games over the weekend, aren't there? Well, Chatham against Beckenham. I see Chatham beat Dover in the... Kent Senior Cup today to carry on their amazing home record. Chatham against Beckenham. Gillingham uh, away. Gillingham away. So if you might get a good crowd in there, that will be an absolute cracker. I would have thought. If Beckenham think they can, if Beckenham can undo Chatham's amazing home record, they'll be in a very good position. But yeah, cracking division, the uh, Eastern South Eastern division this year. There'll be plenty of twists and turns. No idea how it's going to go. Massive game of the weekend, though. No. Biggest game of the season, maybe so far, Chatham against Beckenham. Yeah, I'd say so. It's, it's certainly up there anyway. And it'll be, uh, as you say, Beckenham, if they win their two games, they could go top. But if they win that one, that'll certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, my cats, thankfully, uh, have stopped fighting. They have had a couple of um, scuffles while we've been recording this week's show. But, uh, you know, maybe they need the Zoomers. No, that, no, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is a joke. I wouldn't dream of hurting these two adorable little Bubbers. Uh, you been watching anything good on the telly, mate? Uh, well, we, we book, we're trying to book a holiday, so I've been a lot lose watching a lot of YouTube videos of hotels. But I am watching on Amazon there. Uh, got the Australian test thing again. I don't know if you watched the first. Oh yeah, season. yeah. I've seen some of it. I haven't seen it all. Yeah, really good program. So um, I'm following them from there. So I've been watching that. So and uh, apart from that, that's about it. Watch we watched Beverly Hills Cop the other oh. night. Now, now Beverly Hills Cop. I'm controversial. This, uh, I love. The, I, I like the first one. I like the second one, but the third one is absolutely amazing. Um, that I literally could. There's lines from that that I can just walk into my mum and dad's house and say, and we'll all be creased up with laughter, and people will look at us thinking. Well, we, we will be. We else. will be watching them because once I looked at it, because I love finding out afterwards what people have. What you know, this is 1984. This film, so. Are still still people still alive in it? What they've done since then? I bet Mitch Brundle's mum and dad didn't even know each other then. Exactly, exactly. I'm getting old, aren't I? But apparently, Beverly Hills Four, Beverly Hills Cop Four, is coming to Netflix this year. Wow! With all the old classics, so Brilliant. the kids absolutely loved it. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop. So we'll watch we'll watch Beverly Hills Cop Two this weekend, and I can't remember if I've seen three. Oh, it's um, amazing. So that, that that's the thing from there. So um, showing up the kids. Um, old films that we really like so and eddie murphy's good in it so that's that's what that's what i've been really watching but nothing else exciting really so apart from a lot of hotels uh, where we can go on holiday have you narrowed down which where, well, yeah where we have to? booked a holiday so, oh have you yeah. oh we can tell yes. me about that when we finish recording yeah so we have booked a holiday so that's um you and me both exciting. my friend you and me both <laughs> mine's a lot sooner than yours though because mine's yeah, in less exactly. than three weeks yeah yeah ours is a long time away yeah I see I'm now because um, there's not enough on the telly for me to not be watching. Uh, I've also found out today that I've now got Discovery Plus included with my Sky subscription. So I've got that as well now. If there's anything I ever want to watch on that. There was somebody at work. Death by a million, Plus. death by a million streaming services this at the moment. I tell you, it's like I barely have time to watch the stuff on the regular channels that I tape, you know, and especially with um, everybody's favourite uh, trashy um, Love Island starting oh, you, this week. You're a fan of that, aren't you? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't mind it. And uh, you know, I, I watched uh, I watched the first one when I got home last night, and the second one is probably finished by now. So isn't there a non-league footballer in there? Uh, a lad from Macclesfield has just uh, has just arrived. He arrived right. at the very end of the episode. Uh, I mean, last night there was some. You know, I, I don't like to look down on people for being a bit dense, but some of the things they were saying, honestly, there was uh, one lad who said that he doesn't date women whose feet are bigger than a size five. I mean, how can you make such a ridiculous thing? And then there was this other woman, and I don't even know how old she was, but she was like, I am a cougar. And she was she must have been about 23. And I'm like, no, I don't think you quite understand what that means, my darling. Um, 
And that made me laugh. And then there's a bloke whose name is Will Young, who's a farmer. And um, he was doing some some dance moves uh, yesterday. And honestly, it makes me look like a strictly professional, that lad. <laughs> Oof. Um, but yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's rubbish. I know it's rubbish. And I'm sure every single person who listens to this is knows it's rubbish. But it's enjoyable rubbish for me. And that's, you know, and it and it's something I can, when I get in from work of, an, of a night, I can just stick it on and watch it and just phase out a little bit. Because the thing is, is with my working patterns and my hours and everything, I sometimes get home to 11 o'clock at night and I can't just go to sleep. You know, I need to sit up and do something, be it just sit around on my phone or watch a bit maybe of should, Maybe you should watch the Kiss Cricket rather than Love Island, mate. Well, things. It's quite interesting, the Australian programme. Yeah, whatever. I, if Unless Marnus Labashane is pulling some women, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, well, he... he, he Lads, lads, he lads. talks about his faith in that Marcus Labashain as well. So he is, yes, he, um, yeah, yeah, it's a good program. I quite like it. it, it you, you think is, I don't know if you do this, you come out thinking, um, you quite like the Australian players. Do you know so, that was a, that was the one thing from when I watched the first series? I really hated myself because I quite liked Nathan Lyon and, and I felt really, yeah. I felt like I needed to have a long bath after that thought went into my head. Yeah, but so yeah, but I think in the second one as well, you'll you'll feel exactly the same way. Oh, yeah, well, I'll, I will give it a try. I, I'm quite interested in the tennis one as well on Netflix. Break break point. Uh, oh, yeah, that, yeah, I, I, yeah, I might get onto that actually. Yeah, I'd like yeah. a bit of tennis, so yeah. Yeah, so that might. Well, there's stuff out there to watch anyway, mate. So I don't, but do you know what? I I I think if they never made another TV program now, I'd still not run out of things to watch for the rest of my life. Um, there's so much to watch at the moment, and you know, it's it's all just saturation i mean yesterday we were going to go to the pictures yesterday that's a grown-up thing to say yeah we were we were going to go and watch that yeah but um yeah. in the end we just decided that do you know what let's just have two hours sitting doing nothing rather than doing that and that was much more you know it was just in fact we went out for a nice meal instead uh but you know it's 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 just yeah it's just there's just so much to to do and and you know, I think we're all kind of losing sight of the fact you can actually, it's okay to just do nothing. Yeah, good point. Well made. Yes, good point. Yeah, some, there is there is uh, a fact that you should do nothing because everybody was always on the go. You've got to do stuff, but sitting on your backside is always a good thing. But also, another news today. Did you see Ken Bruce has left Radio 2? I absolutely love Postmaster and he's taking Popmaster with him. Well, you'll have to listen to it on the new one then, won't you? Everyone's got a DAB radio these days. Yeah. I, I, I personally, I think the show would become very tight. I mean, I don't listen to Radio 2. Uh, I used to, in a previous life, listen to it uh, far too much. Um, but I, it's not really for me. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think I quite actually enjoy people being so irate about it. And, you know, the sort of, you know, I like a bad joke as much as the next person. But some of the ones that people used to text in to Ken Bruce early in his show just made me want to, you know, chuck a roll of toilet but roll. It was worth watching. Was worth listening for um, um, Popmaster because I do love a bit of Popmaster. Yeah, Popmaster's fine, and I'm sure he'll do it on the new on his new show, and also yeah. there'll probably be a podcast of it anyway. So, um, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's the end of the world. So uh, we shall see. Anyway, this is uh, turned into a bit on of about a, nothing now, mate. Uh, yeah, one, one of those. Yeah, it's, it's probably. I mean, it's your bedtime anyway. Exactly. Uh, up past 10. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'd better head off. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's show. Thanks to our two guests for their time. Uh, as we said earlier on in the show, our, our thoughts are with uh, everyone connected to Tunbridge Wells after their dreadful, dreadful week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. Search for Kent Nonley Podcast. I'm at John Phipps 81 on Twitter. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, thank you, as I say, everybody for listening to this week's show. And we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Only Podcast. Just realised I'm old enough to be Mitch Brundle's dad.